You are listening to Faith Church's sermon from this week. We are a church that is committed to loving Jesus for life and loving others to life. We hope that this message encourages you to follow Jesus with your whole heart. You're going to take. You're going to take the $100 bill because you understand that the $100 bill can offer you something. But in every conceivable way, it doesn't make sense that you would take the $100 bill, right? In every physical way, it doesn't necessarily make sense. And you're saying, well, yeah, of course it makes sense. But take away all of, your experience, all of your life experience away, shrink down, let's go in a time machine. You're a toddler. Which are you going to take? Because as a toddler, and believe me, I've had a toddler living in my house for a little bit. As a toddler, you are going to look it's my sister's kid. Um, as a toddler, you're going to look at a green piece of paper and a green piece of paper, and you're going to probably put it in your mouth because on every level, they're both composed of 25% linen, 75% cotton. They both have colored synthetic fibers, chemically broken down. They're both made out of cellulose, hemocellulose, and modified lignin. Yes, I looked it up on the chemical level. They are the same. So why do we take the dollar? Why do we make that distinction? Why do we even bother? Because previous experience and learning has taught you that the dollar provides you more opportunity than the paper does. History. We do it because of history. Because, listen, science says that they're the same. Math says that they're the same. Your eyes and physicality says that they're the same, but history proves differently. See, and such is the way with God. The word and the accessibility of God are worth guarding and keeping in your heart because it has historically proven worth. What does that mean? Well, some of you guys know that on a more personal level. Some of you guys know just how essential God is because God showed up when you needed him, period. For me... I could give you an example from this week. I can give you an example of this entire week. As was discussed last week, <laughs> and, it, and it embarrassed me a little bit because, you know, it was, it was a clumsy mistake of mine, but I, I did cut my hand pretty bad last week. Um, and it was interesting because I had not gotten much sleep before because I had these dogs and they hadn't acquainted to me quite yet. I was watching these dogs and they were running around and it was 8 o'clock, and I was just like, guys, please, I didn't sleep at all. Can you please come into the house? Please, please come into the house. Please come into the house. They wouldn't come in. So then one dog just kind of like slowly scooted by me, and then I slammed the door behind me. I'm like, I got it. Yeah, I'm a genius. I'm smarter than you, dogs. And then I like try to open the door again, and then the door's locked. And I'm like, oh. And then I look down, and I realize that I'm wearing my button-up suit shirt and no pants. And in my pants are my wallet, my keys, my phone, anything to contact anybody to get me into this house, and the keys that would get me into this house. So I start thinking, I'm like, I'm still smarter than these dogs, okay? I'm going to get through this window. So I, I look over at, in my room. There's a, a um, little thing, like an uh, uh, AC unit, and there's a window over top of it. And I try to lift it up, and I lift up the window, and the window falls in and breaks, cuts my hand. To, say, to spare you the gory details, I did not have attire worthy of church, so I had to go home and 
wrap myself up and do all this different stuff. It was a really, really stressful day. I went to the ER right after, or not the ER, went down the street actually, um, right after church, got stitched up, went home, took a little bit of a nap. All of my plans for the day were canceled. Then I had to go back to the dogs and I let them out and then they would not come in until two in the morning. And then when they got in, they were barking. And I was still tired. I'd only gotten two hours of sleep. And I remember I shut the door behind them. They're barking. I just hide in my room and I like, at the verge of tears, I call up Rach because that's what I do. I'm not a perfect Christian all the time, so I don't, I don't always go on my knees. And I think Rachel knows that because of what Rachel said next. She said, when did you pray today? Did you talk to God about it? Because he called me. And at that moment, I realized I didn't. I, I forgot. I forgot to talk to God. I stayed at that house for the rest of the week. It got, it got better progressively. I got four hours of sleep most nights. But I was running on God. It was essential. God's word was essential. Praying to him, his accessibility was essential. It wasn't just priceless. I needed it. Ask Chris how many days I rolled into the office. I'm like, hi, Chris, how are you? And she's like, hi, how are you? And I'm like, oh, I'm just so tired. And then I'd go to my office and I'd open up God's word. And then somehow I was given the energy to continue on. Now, that's something small, right? It's not a huge thing. But you guys, you might have personal stories that show you just how essential, how the accessibility is, is like completely needed. Uh, talking about that the word of God, the accessibility of God is worth guarding and keeping because of its historically proven worth. You might have personal stories. But the beauty about God is even if you don't have personal stories that explain that, even if you don't know God that well, the very word that is priceless, the very word that's essential, gives you examples of just how essential God is, his accessibility is, his word is, his truth is. Stories like Noah. Think about Noah for a second. We have Noah who was told by everybody around him, he was the only one that saw the value, that saw how essential God was saw that how priceless his word was, how good the righteousness of God was. Everybody else, well, they wanted the green piece of paper. They didn't have historical value. But once, they, but once Noah had this and he listened and he understood the value of it, it was the very thing that gave him life. It was the thing that saved his life. By no other power could he have built a huge ark like that. By no other power could he take like two alligators and then put them in and then take two lions and then put them in and then take like two wild dogs and then put them in. He's one dude. Imagine being one guy. Even Andy couldn't build something like what was the ark. Even I couldn't, with all my dog corralling powers of this week, couldn't bring in two of every animal. God was essential and it was proven through his word. But not just that, what about Paul? In Paul's story, we can see just how valuable it was because Paul, what you need to understand about Paul and what people don't often understand about Paul is that Paul was like the head honcho of like the Jewish like, like religion center. Like persecuting Christians and all that, but he was like the Pharisee of Pharisees. 
walking around and everybody's like, dude, Paul, you're, Paul's like such the coolest guy. I want to be like Paul. And he gave all that up. And what did he give that up for? Paul gave that up to be shipwrecked. Paul gave that up to get beaten, to get harassed, and to get stoned. He gave that up to be imprisoned. Yet he still said, I consider it all loss. I consider all loss gain to know Christ. He knew the value. He knew how essential God was, and he knew the value of a relationship with him. Just in those few phrases. And what about comparison? What about saying, okay, well, God might be essential, but is there anything that's more essential? Well, God's word even speaks to that. What about the prophet Elijah and the prophet Baal? Where Elijah's saying, listen, like, I will give you a head start. I'll give you this really dry wood. I'll pour water all over my altar. And then you pray to your God. You do everything that you want to do. And then I'll, like, I'll just like, pray to God for like a little bit. And he still won. He was that sure. And he still understood the, how essential God was, the value of God, that nothing could even compare, that nothing could even come, come close. Think about the God that we're talking about today. Think about Solomon. Solomon, who had concubines on concubines, wives on wives, gold on gold, anything that his heart desired, yet he still said, what we just read. He said that the word of God, that the words that he's saying that were given to him from God and put in the scripture are worth paying attention to because they're health to one's whole body. Because they're life to those who find them. It's clear to see through these stories and through the stories of our lives that nothing comes into comparison with God and his word. It has historically proven worth. So why do we leave it unguarded? What is the reason that we don't guard this, that this isn't the desire of our heart? What is the second step to guarding well? Because now we're remembering just how valuable it was from last week and that it has historically proven worth. That's why it's valuable. But then what's the, first, what's the second step to guarding your heart? It's found in Proverbs 4, 20b to 21a. Pay attention to what I say. This is something that we have already read, but I'm going to read it a third time. Pay attention to what I say. Turn your ears to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. How often do we let God out of our sight? Sure, we love God, but how often do we actually watch more than just read our Bible, but watch the relationship we're keeping with him? How often do we watch how, uh, his accessibility to us? How often do we sit down and actually pay attention to what we're doing? And it's, this is not about simple discipline. Simple discipline comes later. Now, this is deeper than simple discipline. It's, it's not an offensive game. It's a defensive game, and you'll see how that comes later. It's not an offensive game because it doesn't matter how much you do. It doesn't matter how many communions you take, how many prayers you say, how many verses you read or memorize, even sermons you preach, lawns that you mow. It doesn't matter how many fellowship events that you have, how many people that you turn to make look at Jesus. If you let your eyes and your ears drift away from the truth while you do it, your relationship with God will start to slip. That sounds like such a bold thing to say. 
that all these disciplines don't matter if you're not paying attention. What does that mean? Like what, like, what about all the things that Pastor Brett told us about? And that those things are valid, and his message is right. And, I'm, and I'll, I'll get to that. But this is how you guard. This is how you keep it. And, and I have firsthand experience of seeing truth slip away, to seeing a relationship with God slip. Not your salvation, mind you, because you already had that. You already sought it. You already found it. But when your eyes slip, so do you. When your ears slip, so do you. When your attention slips, so do you. When you pay more attention to other things, so does your relationship with God. And I think this is interesting. It's not about what you do. It's about what your heart's paying attention to. And it's not the, and, and here's the thing. We want to blame it on God. We want to go, I feel like God's so far away. I feel like God has forsaken me. But his word says otherwise. His word says that God, that God will never leave you nor forsake you. And I know this truly, and someone that did not tell me that he was going to be here until last night very late, who is here, and I'm going to call him out. Dan, raise your hand. He can attest to what I'm about to tell you guys. One of the places that you cannot avoid God, that the accessibility of God was Karen University's campus. I mean, there is nowhere that you can go that like God's word is not in front of you more. You have chapel three times a week, every single, like, and then you go to church on Sunday, Every single class has the Bible incorporated from general mathematics to anatomy. Everything has the Bible inside of it. You're singing worship songs. Even when you go to theater and you do theater stuff, scripture is a huge part of it. But I'll also tell you that at Karen University was one of the times I felt furthest from God. Not my entire time, but one of those times. You say, That's, that makes no sense. God's everywhere. Like, you're, you're opening his book like every day. You're listening to worship songs every day. You're going to chapel three times. I only go to church one time a week. How can you feel God, like, like God is far away? But of course it's not God's fault. I wasn't paying attention. I wasn't keeping my eyes open. See, at Karen University, and Dan can attest to this, I was really big into politics at the time. I bought a book from an author who I will not name because it will give too much about my political leanings, but I bought a book from this guy and I read it a lot. And um, I noticed that like, my attention started shifting a lot more towards politics, towards Twitter, towards news feeds. It also like, would shift towards you know, a lot of TV, a lot of movies, a lot of video games, a lot of different things. But everything these days, you can't get anything without a spin, without an ideology, without something that is trying to get down to your core. And when you look at that, when you understand that, you just start to see the little cracks when your attention starts to shift, when your eyes glaze over when you find yourself in a Bible class daydreaming about going back to your room and playing Spider-Man, when you daydream about, I'm going to go and look at politics or read my book, nothing is more important. Yeah, you might be in the same room as God, but you're not having a relationship with him. God is watching you have a, better yet, God is watching you have a better relationship with your idols in the same room as him, as he's trying, begging, screaming for your attention, 
Three days out of the week at a chapel in every single class you go to just saying, hey, pay attention to me. I love you so much. And you're saying, oh, dude. Look at this. Look at this tweet. Look at what this guy said. Look at this TV show. Oh, isn't that cool? I know it's a little bad, but yeah. And, and don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that like entertainment is awful. I'm saying when it takes more attention than God does, your relationship with God will always start to slip. You leave yourself unguarded. See, God watched me flirt with hating people from the other side of the aisle. God watched me flirt with embracing vengeance as an ideology. He saw me grow more accepting of sin and more apologetic for his truthful, loving word. It's okay to hate people because they're worth hating. It's okay to be angry with people because well, look at what they're doing. Those are not ideologies from God's book. And if I were paying attention to it, more than I was paying attention to the politics, more than I was paying attention to the video games, more than I was paying attention to the things that I watched on TV, if I paid more attention to that, then maybe my mind and my heart and the desires of it would reflect it. But it didn't. I left my heart unguarded. And when I don't keep watch of our eyes and our ears and the desires of our heart, the desires of our heart are left unguarded and they're ripe for the enemy to come and invade. No wonder I felt far from God. I traded his precious word for cheap ideologies. It says in Matthew 16, 24 to 26, that Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it and whoever, wants to lose the, and whoever loses their life from me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone exchange for their soul? Now, I'm not telling you guys to take up your cross this morning. I'm not telling you guys to have more discipline. I'll tell you that in a, in a little bit of what you should do, how you can do more. But what this passage talks about in relation to what we're talking about this morning is how, how much of your life are you willing to lose to guard what you find most precious, to guard this thing that is essential, how many hours of watching these different ideologies, of subjecting yourself to other things, how much of that are you willing to lose so that you might know Christ better? See, this Sunday morning, I'm not asking you to do more. I'm asking you to shift your attention because here's the thing, and I love you guys, and I do the same exact thing. We all, as Christians, do. We go to each other and we say, oh, man, I just want more peace in my life. I just want more self-control in my life. I just want more patience in my life. God, I just want more joy in my life. I want to feel better. I want to know Jesus more. I feel like he's so far from me. The first step is not asking each other. Just like my first step shouldn't have been calling Rachel. Our first step is to, to ask ourselves the genuine question, where has my attention been lately? You might be surprised that even as you pray, your attention drifts. That as you attend church, your eyes glaze over and land in our breath sermon. That as you listen to worship music, that as you do the disciplines that you say that you're going to do, that as you mow the grass and you, you serve, or as you go and you do your fellowship events, that you're not focusing on God, but instead you're focusing on ideologies that are anything but God. And all the while, the devil is making a break for your relationship with God. And see, here's the thing, right? I'm not gonna talk about apostasy 
there's a bunch of different conversations to be had within the denomination. I'm not going to open that can of worms. I'm just an intern. But I'm not talking about salvation. It's my belief that when Satan attacks us, when he attacks people, when he attacks us by distracting us and taking away our attention, he is not going after our souls. I don't, I don't personally believe that he's trying to steal our souls because of what God's word says, that he, nothing can pluck us from his hand. Satan will never take us, but if he takes our attention, he takes the attention that could be given to taking more people to Jesus. See, Satan's not going to attack you by trying to ruin you. He's going to ruin your outreach. He's going to ruin sharing this precious gift. That's how Satan cripples the church. He cripples the church by making more things important than God, than making more ideologies important than God, than making politics, video games, TV shows. Here, look at this, look at this, look at all these flashing lights, look at everything except for the pain in the world that has the biggest healing available right here. Look at everything else. Distract yourself. Focus your attention elsewhere. Because then Satan can just start offering them his little green papers that are worth nothing. Instead of giving him, the, instead of giving these hurting people the priceless thing that they need. Be on guard. It's about way more than you. It's about everybody that you know. It's about people that you like and people that you dislike. It's about people on your side of the aisle and people on the opposite side of the aisle. So what does it mean to be on guard? I've, I've refocused my attention. I, I hear you, Landon. I hear you. My eyes aren't glazed over anymore. I promise. Don't, like, don't, don't be mad at me. I, I'm paying attention to your sermon. But now what do I do? I think Solomon has some pretty wise words in Proverbs 4, 24 to 27. He says, keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths of your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn right or left, but keep your foot from evil. In order to truly guard your heart in the relationship with God held there, you need to turn away from lesser things and be steadfast in your pursuit of God. Now this sounds like discipline, right? This sounds like what I was just saying you can't do. But what you guys need to understand is that this is more than just discipline. This is being steadfast in your pursuit. See, we're still working on sanctification. And there's this kind of cycle that we have going on. This kind of cycle where we forget how, how, much, God's thing, how much God's accessibility, his word, his truth is worth. And when we forget that, then we are left unguarded. See, we're, we're, we're not here yet. We're not... We're not at glorification yet. Where we're at is we're here. We're in this little fade, in this little gray, going back and forth. And I think the interesting thing about being in that back and forth is that we're constantly in this cycle. We're not going to get this perfect. I still don't get this perfect. I'm not sitting up here telling you guys that I pay attention every single time that I read the Bible. I'll admit that last week I didn't pay much attention to Pastor Brett's sermon. I was distracted by all of the worries in the world. And that was wrong. 
I didn't see how precious it was. I just told you about that. I called Rachel first before calling God. I love Rachel, but Rachel is not going to give me the energy to get through their week. I love Rachel, but Rachel can't save my soul. I didn't remember how precious it was. And I didn't turn my attention. And I didn't act. I just act. I just was disciplined. But when you turn your attention and then you act, you're a little less of this and a little more of this. It's this fade. It's this thing that we're walking through. Sanctification. It's actually something, Dan probably thinks I didn't read his text message this morning, but he texted me before I got up here and he said, and he said I pray that you know, what you preach be sanctifying to people. Little did he know that I was preaching on sanctification. Little did he know that I was doing all this stuff. But God knew. God's essential. He's not just priceless. He's not just something that you can trade away. It's not something, it's, it's not something like a piece of paper. And so I want to take you through this cycle it's on the back of your sermon outlines. It will also appear on the screen. And it'll be up there for the, rain, the remainder of the sermon, but I want you to understand that the first part is we need to understand the value of God through history. Our personal history, the history of God's word, the history of God's people. Because we can act rightly in God's law, but if we don't remember the history, if we don't remember and understand the value of God, we're just being disciplined. And disciplined is nice, but it's distracted. It's being busybodies, and we're not called to be busybodies. We're called to make disciples. We're called to heal the world. We're called to give $100 bills to people that can't feed their children. We're called to give healing, to point people to where they can go and get more, point people to living water. That is our life. But if we're just disciplined, if we just lose that passion, we forget about it. Next, we need to re readjust our desire through focusing our attention. We remember how value, valuable it is. So if you remember how valuable this thing is, then why are you selling out to cheap ideologies? Because the more you sell out to that, the more your mind thinks that, the more the desires of your heart think that, the more you want to hate people, the more you want vengeance, the more frustrated you get. The more that you pay attention to this thing that you claim to be essential to your life, the more that you look at it, the more that you're not just sitting in a room with God, but you're actually engaging with him, the more you're going to see yourself have peace, have joy. That's not prosperity gospel. That's God's word. Because prosperity gospel would say that Paul traded his status as a Pharisee to have like a really cool status in the church of Jesus Christ. No, but Paul traded his really cool status and what the world saw is that he traded that really cool status for getting hit, getting shipwrecked, getting hurt. But what Paul saw is I'm trading everything this green paper offered me, which was nothing, for everything in the kingdom of heaven. And I can't see it now, but that's not prosperity gospel. That is the gospel. The gospel is good. The gospel is good news for a reason. It's beautiful. It can make you cry, man. But after we have this desire, we have, we, through desire, discipline, act rightly in God's law, and that's where everything changes. 
See, because just simply doing more or understanding who God is more is not going to do it. You need to do all three. You need to go through this cycle, and you will do it until the day you die. You'll disappoint yourself. But understand, God will always be with you. God is always essential, and he's always accessible, and he's always right there. That's why he's so valuable. It's not enough to keep you on guard, though, to just know you need to Adjust your desire and act rightly to be disciplined, to do. Because Satan's always looking for a weak point in your defense. And see, there's a time where Satan will strike and we got to be prepared. He strikes all the time. But we need to divert our attention now because you don't want to be distracted. This isn't on the board. This isn't um, in your sermon outline. But I felt like this was something that I was teaching the kids over the past few weeks. And it jumped out at me last week. When I taught it, it says, but you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness, so that this day should not surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or the darkness, so that not, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who are asleep at night and those who get drunk at night, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate. The hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint, to, not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, that's the thing. When you act like a person in darkness, when you divert your attention to everything in the darkness, when you forget how valuable what we have is, you're caught unguarded. You're asleep. You're not prepared for the day of the Lord. And we act like these other people that don't understand how valuable what we have is. We're not supposed to suffer wrath like they do. We're supposed to receive salvation. We're supposed to be prepared. We're supposed to guard this gold that is more precious to us than anything. It's not just precious. It's not just priceless. It's essential to us. Faith Church, I, I love you very, very much. And I love every, every church I've ever worked for. I love the American church. I love the global church. I love myself as a part of the church. And I say this with love. And I say this because this is something that I learned this week. Because I was tired. And I needed a wake-up call. I needed to pay attention to guard what is going on, to guard my heart, to make sure that I won't be caught asleep or drunk, but that I'll be caught awake and sober come the day of God's return. That we'd save people from wrath. That we would go into the darkness, pull them out and bring them to God's light. The person that we find so essential to us is essential to everybody that we talk to every day. So if you don't share the gospel with those people, you either hate them or you don't love God enough. You're not paying enough attention. It's everything you need, and it's everything that they need. So be sober, be awake, be ready, be prepared. Be on guard. Dear Heavenly Father, your word convicts us it convicts us more than we like to admit sometimes. 
God, we are so sorry when our attention drifts. God, we understand how valuable, how essential you are, how important it is that you have come and that you have given us salvation when we deserve nothing but wrath. God, allow us, give us the strength to turn away from the ideologies that, that embed themselves in us, to turn our attention away from things that make us angry, that make us impatient, make us violent, that make us frustrated. God, turn us away from that and turn us to your word. Give us peace, give us the joy that surpasses understanding that even when trials come, even when people say they traded everything for nothing, know that everything that they see is worth nothing compared to what you give us. That's how precious you are. God, let us step out in that knowledge, step out in that truth, step out into the darkness, being aware, paying attention to the gold, to the treasure that we have in this life that is Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it encouraged you in your walk with Christ. You can find out more about Faith Church at wearefaithec.com. 